Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is an exciting time where God's drawing close to those who would cl draw close to him. I want to encourage everyone, we're doing something as a family called Take 10, that everyone is being encouraged to spend 10 minutes every day in, in a psalm. And today's supposed to be Psalm 16, which is one of my favorites. This is an amazing time to commune with God, and we're just giving a little bit of structure. So I want to encourage everyone, set aside 10 minutes every day towards an assigned scripture, which today is Psalm 16. You can find it on the Bridge Pasadena website. Also, we're taking time to not just read, but say, Holy Spirit, I want to pray and ask you for wisdom, to get understanding, that as I'm reading, I want to encounter the Holy Spirit. So we're taking time to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. We're taking time to read through the psalm and taking notes on anything that might stand out to you. And what's interesting is sometimes we need a little prompt, a little activation. So we, we got two questions. It says, one question is, what might this tell us about God? So this psalm that I'm reading, this verse that I'm reading, Holy Spirit, show me what this might tell me about God, about you. Show me what this might tell me about other people or myself. Again, we're committing this for the entire month of August, so I want to invite you, let's do it as a family. And I would say, let's encourage each other to share the revelation and to pray into it. Amen. I'm just going to pray before we begin today's message. I'm speaking uh, on divorce. We're continuing on Matthew 5. I know that's heavy. I know it's very personal. So let's pray for the Lord to touch us. Jesus, we ask you that you would show us your heart. We thank you that you'd know us best and you love us the most. We thank you for your leadership over our families, over the body of Christ, over society. We just thank you, Jesus. We as believers, we give you control. We love your heart. And we thank you that you as a groom, you love the church as the bride. That you're one that takes great delight in us. That this is a picture of you. So show us what you see and feel out of this, this verse, these verses in Matthew. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our escort into the deep things of Jesus' heart. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so Matthew 5 is what we've been covering. And by the way, if anybody knows, it's been about a year since Stephanie and I came. Amen. So happy one-year birthday to us being part of the Bridge family. And one of the things that really struck me is that God had the Bridge family in Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is amazing because Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a Sermon on the Mount. And as we have been touching on this for quite some time now, what's striking to me that this is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount is the most comprehensive statement about how to cooperate with God's grace, how to spiritually develop, how to love well, and it's interesting, the eight Beatitudes, it's like a garden, and the Holy Spirit planted seeds, and he wants those seeds to blossom. And what's interesting is when we look at Matthew 5 today, it really helps us to understand how is Jesus defining things like love, godliness, spiritual maturity, how he's describing a kingdom lifestyle. So there's no ambiguity as to what I'm supposed to look like before I die and go to heaven. There's no ambiguity as to what Jesus wants. Some people say all sermons ever created could be traced from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's how important it is. Now, what's interesting about it, as we get into the scripture, there's five kingdom activities that Jesus wants, to, wants us to engage in. 
And then there's six temptations he wants us to avoid. Isn't that interesting? So we got the eight Beatitudes, how to walk out a kingdom lifestyle, and then we have five kingdom activities that he wants us to say, hey, I want you to cultivate this. I want you to rely on the Holy Spirit. And then he's got six kingdom activities to say, hey, you know what? I want you to avoid this. I want you to walk in overcoming faith. I want you to walk in a godly habit that's empowered in your intimacy with Jesus and is played out in your everyday decisions. So one of those is divorce. So let's look at this real quick. Um, we're going to go into Matthew 5, and I want to, as we see the scripture up on the screen, um, it's Matthew 5, 31 and 32. I'm reading out of the New King James. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, whoever marries a woman whose divorce commits adultery. So this is interesting. This is not a comprehensive teaching on divorce and remarriage. Even by Jesus himself, it's not a comprehensive teaching. He's actually just providing a small framework. This, this teaching, even, even today, is not comprehensive. So I want to encourage you, let's get the full witness of Scripture, Let's get the full witness of Scripture. And, and one of the reasons, you know, Dennis and the, and the leadership staff, they were saying, hey, let's, let's, let's really go into this teaching. And, and one of the reasons why I think it's so important that Jesus highlighted this. Remember, it's the first sermon when he came up out of 30 years of living with his family, with others, and with the Father. Like he's living life of intimacy himself by the spirit. He's living life like us. And then he's about to preach his first sermon. And this is the sermon. So again, in this verse, we're going to look at it. I just want us to build a little bit of a, a context or a background. Jesus wants to protect the sanctity of marriage. Jesus wants to protect the covenant relationship that's in marriage. I think that's a profound thing. Jesus wants us to put the same value that he has on covenant relationships. So even if we're single, even if we're married, even if we've gone through troubled times, God is saying, let me renew your mind. Let me renew your emotions. Let me strengthen that soul. Let me give you my willpower for my will. So God is saying, hey, that marriage covenant is to be honored, is to be followed because we want to keep our commitments. You know, it's interesting right after these two verses, he's about to go into keeping your word. And one of the interesting things about where we are as a society right now, marriage has always been under attack. It's been filled with compromise, even in the church. And so God is saying, don't worry, I'm here. He's Emmanuel for God is with us. And I don't want to undermine or, or understate the pain, the complexity at our church here. We want to walk in tenderness. We want to walk in truth. We want to be a faithful witness to God's perspective on marriage. Remember, Jesus is the perfect leader to talk about love and marriage and commitment. Jesus is the perfect leader to talk about what it means to navigate through complex situations. Society may have a different view, but I want to take a stand with Jesus. I want to be right beside Jesus. I don't want to be just going with the waves, going, you know, up and down, changes of, of viewpoints. I want to be true to the word of God, and I want to rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so again, one of the reasons why we're looking at this is this is a determining factor in the health of our society. 
the body Christ and our families. So just wanted to highlight that because that's a, it's a good reason to know why are we highlighting this? Why are we talking about it? You know, one of the other, uh, as I was getting ready for today's message, I was praying for, the, for our younger generation, our youth. And I want our younger, uh, younger generation who are single, who may be dating, whatnot, whatever's happening, I want them to get a clear picture of what God is viewing about marriage, about commitment. I want them to be able to respond in a biblical way to their future spouse. I want them to, to be able to deal with, you know what, I don't, I'm married now and I don't feel it anymore. So one of the reasons why we talk about marriage, why, why, we, why we get into this subject that's in the Bible is saying, God, we pray for our future families. We pray for our children because we want them to stand strong. We want them to stand in truth and stand in love. And so that's one thing uh, to think about is we're not just doing this for ourselves today. We're doing it for the future generation. The kids in the kids ministry, in the youth group, our young adults, our singles, that we want to paint a picture that's biblical. We want to inspire them with hope. And we want them to say, you know what? Holy Spirit, help me to stay steady when I'm married. Help me not to give up. Help me not to walk away. Help me not to divorce on a whim. Amen? This is what's interesting in Matthew 31, verse 32. It's interesting that he even says, furthermore, it has been said. Oftentimes when Jesus is speaking, especially in light of things to avoid, he's saying, it has been said. A lot of people say a lot of things, but God is saying, Jesus is saying, this is what my father says. This is what the Bible says. Because the Pharisees, as one group, was, were saying a lot of different things. But Jesus is getting right to it and saying, you know what? Let me tell you what my father is saying. Let me tell you what's on his heart. Do you know this? That Jesus responds to the desires of the father. Do you realize that the father, our heavenly father, has many and much desire? And Jesus sees that. He receives it. He experiences. And then he intercedes. And I guarantee you, Jesus is interceding for families, for marriages. Oh, yes, he is. Jesus is praying for families and marriages. That's an interesting thought. And so when he's up against this dynamic in Matthew 5, he goes and says, you know what? Let me talk to you about what has been said and what I truly believe in what's actually in the Bible, because he's actually rebuking and correcting the wrong teaching of the Pharisees. Jesus is giving a strong statement on divorce. He's offering in this verse a little insight. Now, we have to take the totality of saying, God, what are, what are you highlighting in the word of God in total? Because I know you know there's complex situations. I know I can't give patented answers. We want to we get into this because we don't want to be holier than thou. We want to be considerate. We want to be kind. We want to be ones who listen well. And that's what this church is about. And, and I'm praying that throughout this teaching, if the Lord is working on your heart, I want you to be able to call someone. I want you to be able to call the pastoral staff. I want you to come out of darkness into the light and say, you know what? I'm hurting. Or I don't know what I'm feeling. Or I don't know where my feelings have gone. I don't know how to see myself. I don't know how to receive, and I don't know how to give from an open heart. I've lost my vulnerability. These are things, this close relationship, this, this spouse that I have that God gave me, I don't know how to be intimate anymore. I don't know. It triggers fear. 
it, it causes me to draw back in fear. Those are all signs. God's saying, hey, I'm shedding a little light. Call out to me. Let's connect with someone. So that's part of tonight or this morning is I want us to say, hey, God, I need you. It's interesting. It says um, in Matthew 5, 31 and 32, but I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason. The Pharisees were literally setting up a situation saying, you know what? You're obeying God if you simply fill out this certificate and go through that tiny little legal uh, procedure. If you do that, you're fine. You can divorce. They were causing many people to throw away marriage that quickly. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees especially, and to the man or men who want to divorce their wives, he was saying, don't you realize the peril you're about to put your soon-to-be ex-wife in? Isn't it interesting that in 2,000 years ago, Jesus as a Middle Eastern man, it's a different culture, amen, come on, it's a different man, he's saying, hey, I want to, I want to protect the rights of women. This is 2,000 years ago. God is saying, I want to highlight and protect the, the, the rights of women. Because if a divorced woman in those days especially, if she got divorced, she would lose economic support. She may be uh, um, cast out of her family. She may be shamed. There's, there's issues with remarriage. So God is saying, you're throwing away a marriage covenant. You're disregarding the physical union that you have had with your wife by simply thinking that you can, you can write a certificate of divorce and that's it. So God is amazing because in this, he's saying it's not, that, it's not that frivolous. It's not that casual. That's why Jesus was rebuking them. And what's interesting is um, Jesus' approach has always been, hey, I know what this is what you say, but this is what my word says. That's, that's always an interesting thing. That's why he says, furthermore, it has been said. You know what's interesting to me? Why would Pharisees allow and promote this? Because sometimes we all operate in little fear of man or approval addiction. And sometimes we operate in a place where like, you know what? I'll let this slide because I want to keep everybody happy. Let's go to the next verse. Um, this is an amazing verse. This is in um, Matthew 19, 3 through 9. I'm just going to read uh, through it. And the Pharisees came to Jesus testing him. Again, they're testing him, right? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Think about that concept right there. You're emp empowering men to throw away relationships, especially the marriage relationship, for any reason. I mean, talk about playing into your sin nature. He replied, have you never heard that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be rejoined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then the Pharisee said, then why did Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. And he says this, because your hearts were hardened. You know what's a hardened heart? A hardened heart is, you know what? I'm not going to do take 10 because <laughs> I didn't really schedule it. I've got other stuff to do. You know, the cares of this life, they're really important. 
you know, I know I feel less sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting in my life, but I'm going to kind of ignore it, and hopefully the Sunday service will help me. And you know what's interesting about this is, he says, because your hearts were hardened and stubborn. That's an intense word, by the way. That means willfulness. I want to invite us in this time, throughout this sermon, this this service, saying, God, take me out of my willfulness that runs against your will. Take me out of willful decisions I am making. Jesus is a tender deliverer. He can break your will. He can allow some, some things to happen, and he can tenderize your hearts again. You know, sometimes when I feel like my heart is like really like stony or calloused, sometimes I just need to, like Jillian and the team were worshiping, I just need to bring myself before the Lord. And he's like a burning fire. Hebrews 12, 28 says he's an all-consuming fire. That fire will tenderize your heart. And it's not necessarily like you immediately need to fix things, improve things, turn everything around, be perfect. No, no, no. It's about this idea like, let me just set my heart before God and receive. Because I can't do this on my own. Let me set my heart before God and receive because he's about to send me people from my church, from my family and friends who are going to pour into me. And I need to practice receiving so I'm right here alone with God. So God is saying, don't let your heart be hard or stubborn. Amen. It says, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits uh, adultery. Again, the Pharisees focused on the certificate of divorce. But Jesus, even in this, this is where he gets more comprehensive than Matthew 19. He goes back to the original scripture in Genesis, where he says the two will become one flesh. He takes it back further and saying, that's my original design. That's the picture I want you to know. That's what I want you to engage with is that you have made a covenant before God. You have taken physical, sexual, intimate union with your spouse. And that is of great value to me. That's what's interesting about it. God is saying, my original design is for this man and this woman to be married, to be united as one flesh, because it's a picture of Jesus and the church. It's a picture of Jesus and the church. It speaks of lifelong commitments. You know, I grew up, um, I grew up in Dallas, amen. I grew up in Dallas where I got a little girl crazy at some point, and I got used to jumping in and out of relationships, And the Holy Spirit came to me and he said, basically, he said, you know what, AJ, you have a hard time being intimate. Hey, AJ, do you realize that um, you need a little, you need to open your heart towards your mom and your sisters? You know, you really don't want to commit. You say you want to marry, but you don't want to commit. And so then the Lord began to move in my heart. Again, I got inner healing. He went to the root cause behind that. And you know one of the first fruits of that amazing experience, and I'll never forget it, I became a great friend to my mom. Yeah. Anyway, being immature, becoming a friend um, with your mom, and then learning to, uh, I'm sorry, learning to love my sisters. Yeah. I think that's been massively important. And uh, 
what's interesting about it is um, that desire to hit on women going in and out of relationships, it massively decreased. It totally did. God used it because there's things to practice in preparing yourself for marriage. I wanted to be a husband on the inside. I know the famous Bible verses, he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing. What about he, that woman, who finds a husband on the inside? That's what we as men, we need to take responsibility. Do you realize God is a man and he's talking to men, the religious leaders and the dude who wants to divorce his wife for no reason? All right, I'm gonna leave that alone. 1 Corinthians 7.15, it says, but... If the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Now, divorce, the word, the word of God is saying is you can divorce or you're allowed to divorce because of sexual immorality with the other spouse, like if the if this spouse cheats on you, commits adultery. And then the other reason is... Um, if the other person leaves because of your faith in Christ, because of your decision. Paul was dealing with a dynamic where people were getting saved in marriages and only one of the spouses was getting saved. And the other person just wanted to leave, just abandon them. So these are the two points of criteria. This is where, these are the two boundaries of why he allows divorce. But let me say again, he hates what it does to families. He hates what, he do, what it does to hearts. One of the, I know we're in a pandemic. If you ever come to the Bridge Church Pasadena, if you ever come to the Bridge Church, one of the things you're going to notice is the intense level of friendship. Because even just the relationship between believers, like friends here, it speaks to one big family. It's an anointing. It's, it's a strength. It's an emphasis. It's a desire. It's a dream that this church, we're not perfect at it. We're trying to live it out. And we're embracing strength. And so in this hour, if you are hurting, if you are lost, if you feel numb, if you're at a loss for words, let's connect with someone and pray. Because this church does not and will not ever give up on families. So, amen. Matthew... Let's go to actually Malachi 2, 14 through 16. This is an interesting verse. And, I, and I'm going to begin to wrap up the message here. This is really great for us as believers, right? This is, look at this. This is in the NLT. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? So this is the dude who's crying out to God, raising his hands, crying, maybe falls to the ground, starts shaking. Like whatever's happening, right? I've done that, Right? And, and he's saying, hey, why is Jesus not connecting with my worship right now? I'm, I'm trying to put 100% in with worship. I'm doing this spiritual discipline. How come Jesus is not receiving it? Here's the answer. I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the, the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained a faithful partner. Ain't that the tale of the Middle East and ancient culture, which is happening all over the world now. And we actually encourage it. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? So it is physical and it is spiritual. Mm -mm. And what does he want? 
godly children from your union. But here, here's the real key here. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord God of the heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. That's in the New Living Translation. God is saying, guard your heart. That's your mind, will, and emotions. We got to guard our heart. We got to guard what we're taking in. You know, some of our TV shows are teaching us, you know what, relationships, they're not a thing. I can sleep with this person. I can sleep with that person. It's not a thing. I don't have to really commit. I'm trying to find myself right now. And I'm going to do that for the next 20 years. <laughs> right? And so God is saying what you committed to when, you're, when you were young, you got to stick with it. Because it's interesting when Jesus or the Lord wants to be emphatic. He literally says, for I hate divorce. He doesn't hate people who are struggling. He hates the brokenness, the pain, the disillusionment. And then that's being projected on the Lord. And then when kids say, you know what? There's nothing but hopeless hypocrites at church. They're getting it from broken families. Because it's like what my dad did, as an example, I'm speaking in hypothetical terms. What my dad did, I'm now projecting on the Heavenly Father. So when we're singing about God's goodness, well, my dad abandoned my mom. So God is saying, this is why I hate it, because it's wrecking families. Amen. I want to go to 1 Peter 3, 7. This is a powerful verse. So God was saying, you basically cannot substitute spiritual discipline for what you got to do with your wife, which is faithfulness, commitment, servitude, love, open-heartedness. And some of us men and women... We have a hard time opening our heart, but that's where we got to get help. That's why what we do in God's presence is a big deal. Okay, amen. First Peter 3, 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. This is in parentheses in the Amplified. With great gentleness and tact, which I need to practice, and with intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. As someone physically weaker, since she is a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. And I work at a house of prayer. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you this straight up. Ephesians 1.17 is one of the greatest verses you got to pray every day. Because the Bible literally says with an intelligent regard for the marriage. And a lot of times, I'm just freestyling. I'm just going off of instinct. I'm just being a man about it, and everything is wrong. <laughs> I feel powerful. I feel bold. I feel glorious, and everything I'm saying doing is wrong. And the Holy Spirit is saying, let me give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let me give you light in your eyes of understanding. Let me show you the hope of Jesus' calling. Because even the picture in your head is from like Hollywood or Bollywood. It's from other places. And God is saying, you just, it's not just avoiding something. It says right here, show her honor and respect. It's not like, yeah, treat her like a queen. No, we're asking for Holy Spirit power to honor her. This is not cliche. 
Like, I love that, you know, like, give her a crown on her birthday. Like, (laughs) I I appreciate little knickknacks like that, but I'm talking about showing her honor and respect. I just want to begin to wrap this up. Um, It's interesting. God is saying, hey, one of the reasons why I highlighted this to you, ancient Israel, is because you were divorcing to marry younger women. You guys know that? They were divorcing. They were divorcing their wives because they started to make more money. Their status changed, and they they divorced their wives. Certificate of divorce, right? No reason, and they went and married younger women. And you thought that was just an LA thing? Uh Uh-uh. That's an Israel thing. That's a whole world thing. That's happening over Asia, South America, Europe, everywhere, Africa, everywhere. So God is dealing with it at that time. And again. God is saying she's your co-heir. Don't try to pretend to be spiritual. You can't substitute prayer and awesome worship for really loving her well. Really relying on the Holy Spirit. Again, I don't know how to love well, but Jesus does. Will I get myself in his presence, whether it be through the Psalms, whether it be in an inner healing appointment, in in a cool relationship that holds me accountable, where I actually have to talk it out? I know that feels laborsome and annoying, but guess what's way more annoying? Divorce, pain, what your kids think, what's happened to your family, all the people who danced at your wedding, like what they must be thinking. Amen. I'm going to wrap this up inviting the worship team to come up here. Um, this is such a crazy topic as I was praying, and the whole team was praying, I mean, the church is praying, you know, for these services, not just because of me. Like, oh, no, he's preaching, let's pray. No, it's, it's, they're, they're seeking God, and they're saying, you know what, Lord, I, wanna, I want healing for our families. And I want our families to come out of the darkness, where there's pain, where there's silence. You know, silence is neglect, FYI. If you can't speak life to your spouse, or you can't receive when they're speaking life to you, that's neglect and rejection happening at the same time. If you can't connect with the Lord with your spouse because it's just kind of irritating, you don't have time for it, or you're kind of wing it, you'll kind of do your own separate thing. God is saying, I want to I wanna invite you together with me because we're supposed to be a three-strand cord that cannot be broken. And for our young people, I want, I want us to pray even now. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And it's for myself. It's for my, me and my wife, Stephanie. We need to grow in this. No one's got this perfectly. And this teaching, it just gave us a small little insight. We want to walk in tenderness. Jesus, we pray that you would help us. And I pray especially for our young people that are getting used to going in and out of relationships. Father, we pray that you would quiet our hearts with your love. That Zephaniah 317, all of our young people, that you would quiet our hearts with your love. I pray for our marriages. Jesus, we pray for your presence like Emmanuel would be there in the midst of the pain, the unspoken things, the loneliness. And Father, we pray for many of us that have good marriages, but we haven't gotten to your level of love. We haven't gotten to that agape perfect love. We haven't gotten to that place where there's long suffering with joy. So Father, we pray, take us up. 
And lastly, I want to pray for singles in our church. Your, your young adults, your adult, your singles. We ask for the Holy Spirit's presence to rest on them. And we pray for peace and joy. And I wanted to give one prophetic word. It's Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that for our singles. We pray for the, pray that for our marriages, that you would cause us to live in overflow of hope. And we pray for our mind, will, and emotions to experience the affections of Jesus. Let it turn into joy and peace right now. We pray for a peace in that storm, in that place of loneliness, in that place of quiet. We pray, God, you would speak in that place. We invite you in. In Jesus' name.